0: hello i'm melody asani i'm julie burns walker together we welcome you to the butterfly forecast smishy it's really good to be back together again for another conversation on the butterfly forecast
1: smishy i'm so happy
0: me too it's so interesting. Like the last time when we were talking, it was leading us to understanding more about what we were. The more you think about what we are, the more it makes you wonder about when someone in life becomes a gift to you or a gift with what they do or what they bring or what they present or how they share or how they uh, express themselves. And um, I know you're a gift to me. True friends are are so rare. They're precious. They're the most rare of gifts that you can find in a lifetime.
1: Mm. When I think of someone as a gift, I feel like somebody who arrives with just the right thing at the right time well oftentimes it's somebody that you would never expect and it might not look like how you thought it looked like but it comes in a form and you just get exactly what you need and you didn't think that it could come from that source but it does
0: yes I think If you experience, as everyone in their life has had, moments of starkness or moments of feeling ill-prepared for something Mm. or great lengths of time when you have to endure something and there's no one there helping you through it, and then someone appears, like you were saying, perhaps the most unexpected moments or not the person you thought you needed even, Mm -hmm. and when they arrive— you recognize it because of what you endured. You are prepared
1: to have that absolute awareness. Smishy, I actually just thought about an example of the story you told me about after you had your very difficult pregnancy with your youngest child and your dad showing up. Would you mm. consider that a gift? Because that was so sweet. Mm.
0: Definitely a gift. I mean, my dad, our nickname for him has always been the Zen master because he himself is self-proclaimed as having no emotions, which I don't think is true. But I do think uh, he has always had a hard time identifying emotions. It's his survival mechanism in life. And I also think it's his gift which allows him to think in the bigger picture and very detached. But after I had my youngest, as you brought up, it was a three-day labor. And then I had a a caesarean section in a rural, very rural environment in uh, the country I lived in, in Africa. So I was not in good shape for a long time um, physically. And because I almost died and my daughter almost died, it also changed my frame of mind. And I had no family other than my own nuclear family in the country, and I so was missing my mom who had passed away some years before. And I wished more than anything I had a mother who was just there to be with me and comfort me. And so very unexpectedly, my dad and his fiancée called me, which is really hard. We rarely had consistent electricity or phone service, and they got through right after the birth. And he said, we've got our passports ready. We want to come and just spend time with you and the children and the baby. My dad is not a baby person. He's not a kid person. (laughs) But I could hear in his voice, like a conviction. Like, this is my destiny. This is my role. I will figure it out. I will be here for you. And you are absolutely right. When he arrived, for the first time, I would say different qualities came out of him, nurturing qualities. He wanted to ask about the birth and every detail. (laughs) He wanted to show that I wasn't alone. Mm. And his delightful partner and fiance, Yvette. She is the most uplifting person anyway. She has a unique laugh that is contagious. And whatever you do or say, she sees the best in it. So I think that was also a gift in its own right. Mm. What about you, Smishi? Have you ever met somebody in your lifetime that you can think of who is a
1: gift to you? Well, you're a very good example of that for me. I think that I met you at a time randomly when I really needed somebody. I had just finished college, which was really big, and I kind of didn't know what I wanted to do next. I had always thought that I was going to go into law school, and I had just finished doing all these incredible internships and gotten all this experience in the field. And I was left really disenchanted by it, feeling like I don't know if I could wake up and do this every day for the rest of my life. And so it was the first time I really didn't have direction or motivation towards something. I I just didn't know how I would express who I am through what. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have any good mirrors around me. I remember getting really depressed, really feeling depression for the first time. And a friend of mine told me about you. And she's like, well, I, I know this woman and it's kind of hard to describe what she does, but maybe you should speak to her. And at the time I was like, okay, I'll talk to anybody. And in that first conversation, I think it was the first time ever where somebody actually looked at me like I was a design. And it reflected back to me what I was good at and what I was interested in and the things that I was drawn towards. And most of those were things that I hadn't ever said out loud and that I hadn't really tried to cultivate since I was a child. Mm -hmm. Because I was so long removed from it, I felt there was a part of me that felt like you were crazy. But then there is another part of it that was just resonated so true that it really propelled me forward and really started me on a journey of self-reflection and trying to find more of myself through people that could really see me rather than people that didn't want to see me but wanted me to be something. Mm. And that really changed my life. That was the biggest gift I could have received. Well, first of all, it was a privilege. um, I think
0: you are equally a gift to me and a surprise um, because I was not expecting to become friends with somebody I worked with. I've spent 30 years working with people who have never become a friend. So you were an extraordinary surprise uh, for me in my life as well. And I had suffered so many losses and deaths that I really had assumed I was meant to live the rest of my life alone. And I had already embraced that. So that was an even more exceptional uh, surprise and gift. I think it's one of my favorite secret hobbies, like people who collect wildflowers at the side of a road or something. Just observing when people are a gift to somebody else and when you get to see it in the, the kind of scope of your life and then suddenly you're aware that mm-hmm. You're witnessing what somebody is for somebody else. And usually, it's a quality of a person you never knew was there. And suddenly, you see them offer something to someone unexpectedly, and it hangs there poised like a star that came from the sky and shining right in your midst. Don't you love that experience? Love that so much. I think of that as witnessing witnessing a person's reality in a flash, and it might go away as quickly as it sparkled. Mm -hmm. Like this might be their moment. Maybe they'll never offer it to anybody else ever again, but you witnessed it. Oh, you're like holding a memory of something genuinely sacred. Mm. I feel like that's the reason we're here, to be that every day, whether it's known to us or unknown to us. God, I wish
1: it was easier to find.
0: <laughs> um, I don't think we have the awareness yet to ask, you know, uh, what did you do? And without it being something egoic, because usually if someone says something to you about you being a gift to them or someone else, it can make you feel horribly uncomfortable. I mean, personally, I break out into sweats. (laughs) I think it's because I usually associate it with somebody having a misunderstanding or making a conclusion that's a distortion rather than the purity of the reality. I, I wonder under what circumstances would it feel like a mirror for you or a confirmation? Do you know what that would feel like for you? If somebody complimented you... I don't know even if the word is compliment, but if somebody said to you Melody, you are you are the greatest gift to me. A small example for you but big for my eyeballs is how frequently you make it look effortless to offer hospitality to people. You've opened up your home to so many people for unlimited lengths of time when they needed it. You're sharing your closest space with strangers. That is a gift to people, and it provided for
1: them a complete oasis from what they were struggling with. But I think it was also a gift for me. Most of the time, when I know it's my place to do something, it feels really good. Because I grew up with this definition of service, like it's got to be sacrificial or hard. Mm. And the more I got into understanding how I serve, I realized that it's more mutual Mm. than not. It actually does do something for me too. Mm. Well, that mutuality is to me like a hallmark of the
0: ultimate state of a relationship. Even if it's a brief relationship that is a relationship that lasts two minutes or one for a lifetime, mm-hmm. that phenomenon of mutuality should be present as a signal. But I also think the fact that you are not uncomfortable with what you did, that it felt, like you said, right, but it mm-hmm. doesn't make it less of a gift. Mm. To me, the concept of a gift, it can't be quantified or defined in limited terms. It allowed a person to get past where they were, and it changed the trajectory of their life and their path because of it. You know, I I was super shy when I was growing up, as you were. I never spoke unless it was required. And I do remember uh, reading very early, that was my refuge, books, my first grade teacher asked my mother permission in a household with many people running through it with a lot of chaos and suffering and drama happening. And she asked my mother if I could spend the summer with her, if she could pick me up every day and take me to libraries throughout the city and she would be in charge of me. Whoa, it was the greatest gift of my academic life ever, because all she did is encourage me to understand there are many modalities, there are many ways of learning, there's never too early or too late, it's nothing but my essence that craves those stories and reading." And so I really changed. Because of her, she encouraged me not to be so hideously, painfully shy if I did have something to say. And it stayed with me for the rest of my life. If I could find her today, I would put her in my will. I would bring her into my I would take care of her because that's how powerful
1: a gift she was. Yeah, it's it's so big. It's so big. It's so big. You never forget people like that. Ever. And yet she doesn't know it. She yes. has no idea.
0: And every day she would say to me when we were together, isn't this the most fun? This is the best summer I've ever had. And she made me feel like I was her best friend, her companion. Mm. And it was so very special discussing characters and I never had that again for the rest of my academic life. Mm. So I think that's what we crave to be to people once we've experienced it.
1: Yes. One of my dear friends is turning 40 soon, and I was just writing in her birthday card, and I thought of, I was thinking of all the qualities about her, And there's so many things that she has done for me that I know she's not aware of how big they were. Mm. And one of them was as simple as inviting me um, one year for New Year's on a trip with her. And I remember experiencing such loneliness that year. And I was dreading the holiday because I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. All my friends are busy. Everybody's out of town. It was just like a weird year And um, she picked up on it on some level and she invited me and included me and her friends. It was such a big thing for me. It it literally sustained me for the rest of that year. Mm. And it was so big. It was such a little thing for her. Mm. I don't think she realized, but. I think little and big things like that all the time. Sometimes it's just a stranger that will say something to you and it'll just stick with you.
0: Yes, or in a very dark moment of your life, Mm. somebody, a stranger, does a gesture or smiles to you or says hello to you. A small gesture like
1: saying a greeting Mm -hmm. could transform your day or days. Remember when I was telling my friend Natalie, who I used to— Um, live near. Mm -hmm. She was walking down the street one morning and saw this guy on the street convulsing and ran over to him and realized he was having a heart attack. And she had no idea. She'd never seen anybody go through something like that. And she literally just got on the ground and started giving him mouth to mouth. I don't even think she knew how to do mouth to mouth. And in that instant, she just became like, She was yelling at people, telling everybody around was just frozen, was just watching. She was like, you call 911. You do this. You do that. And she literally saved this man's life Mm. where the ambulance got there just in time. Yeah. And the man doesn't even know who she is. I love that.
0: As you know, I have the privilege of hearing about those stories every single day. Mm -hmm. And it puts me in a state of awe, perpetual humble awe before my fellow human beings, yet that's not what's in the newspapers. Mm -mm. And I know if people read the real news, we would be so inspired to live our lives differently, and also we would trust one another. It makes me think about, in the collective, how those things influence our thoughts. And part of that is what has created the need for a quote-unquote thought leaders. And I wonder if that need is coming from a lack of that sense of motivation in ourselves. You yourself are a real thought leader. In other words, you lead people into an awareness of thought that you don't see out in the world. Uh, One of the things I notice about you, if you don't
1: see someone talking about it, you bring it up. Is that true? Yes, but it's only because I think that other people are feeling it or thinking about it too, and I'm curious as to why we're not talking about it.
0: Because you are very sensitive. You are a sensitive barometer. So you have your finger on the pulse of all the people that you're in contact with, which is a lot of people. And when you become apprised of where their thoughts are and where they're not receiving, where they're not getting support, or you bring something up in your work, I, I love that. Because then your work becomes an extension of the gift you are, but also the service you're offering. Otherwise, you could just sell shirts, you could just sell clothes, you could sell jewelry, but you don't. You sell every single thing so it reminds people of why they're here mm. and what they want to really represent, what they want to question. It makes you think about um, that we really do influence ourselves and each other by the example we lead. You know, what we're about is more important than what we say we're about.
1: Yeah. Well, it's really difficult to navigate if somebody sometimes is what they say they're about when they're presenting that that's what they're about
0: yeah it's very tricky there's like a difference between thought and consciousness you know that funny newspaper the onion as a while back But there was a hilarious headline in The Onion, and it said, um, only 3% of American women are not certified yoga instructors. (laughs) (laughs) And it just cracked me up, but it also made me think, hmm, why is there yoga in everybody's neighborhood? In places where we would not expect a yoga studio, there are yoga studios. There isn't a place where you wouldn't find a yoga class. And of course, during the pandemic, streaming. So I think like the quest for greater awareness is a precursor to our quest for greater consciousness. And maybe thought leaders were what we have been looking for as like your kindling to start that fire, to find our own flame. What are your thoughts about the difference of um, thought versus
1: consciousness? Well, I feel like consciousness is a deeper, it's coming from a deeper place where it's like the well or the truth in you. It's like awareness almost. But I feel like thoughts are sort of the process. Yeah. I mean, it's so backwards in a way
0: because everything in our Western society is built upon thought first and then awareness. And I think there are still a great many societies that the foundation of thought is in their spiritual practice so spirit should lead us not just to a process or a practice because that can get lost in dogma but the actual consciousness that comes from it and then you could have thoughts about what you became conscious of
1: yes 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 thank you for articulating that so beautifully it's so interesting because it Because these aren't things that we talk about, Mm -hmm. it's almost like I feel like an idiot talking about them, like all fumbly, because I'm like, this isn't something we discuss, really. (laughs) And then you're left to wonder why you don't discuss it because it's such a a natural part of your everyday. Mm,
0: It's true, but I think it's because you and I have grown up in a society that values. The quest for becoming uh, something greater and surpassing what happened before. So it's a very competitive and quantifies what that better looks like. And so it's externally referenced rather than internally sourced. Yes. And so if we were an internally sourced, if we quested for that in a society, imagine every time you have a conversation with anybody on the street, in the store, your family or stranger wouldn't matter. You'd still be opening yourself up to hear truth from this particular angle mm-hmm. or this particular expression, like, oh, that's another layer to what.
1: I was searching for but I didn't find it. This person just revealed it. Yeah, that's also the definition of a really excellent therapist.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why there are so many, because we've lost the ability to be at one another. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I feel like it has led to like a consumerism of... Thoughts. Mm. You can Google all these different memes and what people say or, you know, people are on every possible platform and everything is becoming little micro bites without the context. Yes. So we're just collecting thoughts rather than the root
1: that that thought came from. Because the root will supply you with your own. Yeah, because it makes such a big difference to read just a quote by somebody versus reading their whole book, Mm. going into that deep place and developing consciousness about that thought and carrying it forward through your own lens. You know, what's amazing is in my job
0: as a medical intuitive, I often have new people all the time as clients. And it is so amazing to me, those who come to me bravely, Uh, because they just heard about me and they made an appointment, so they don't know anything about me. If you think about it, it's a very courageous thing to do. Mm -hmm. And uh, they always start by saying, I don't know who you are and I don't know what you do. I don't know how to start this. I've never done something like this before. And then I will always say, just put your questions out there and remember I'm here for you. You don't have to do anything. You can relax and you can turn the direction of this. And if I'm looking at something you don't want to address, you can stop me and point me in another direction. It takes all of two minutes before they are talking up a storm if I identify one thing I notice about them, one real thing. Now they open up like we have known each other for centuries, And they can't wait to go and look at the next thing. And the only reason that happens is it tells you how rarely people are seen for who and what they really are. That means all day we're spending our time talking about things that are not meaningful to our reality. So I find that amazing. And exhausting. (laughs) (laughs) Well, trying to figure out how to approach making sure that we are respectful of where people feel safe
1: and trust and not overstep those boundaries. Mm -hmm. When somebody identifies you as a gift but it makes you feel uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. is it connected to this concept? Yeah, because, I mean,
0: whatever it is we're revolving around, you and I have something in common, which is that we both really engage in a private, deep spiritual practice every morning, every day. We close our day out that way, start fresh the next day. And that means you're focusing on different things at different eras in your life. And so, like, um, I know that when I'm focused on something and then someone in the outer world mirrors that it was helpful to them I mean, there is nothing like that. There's nothing that gives me more hope as an individual than that experience. Because it means my inner world has now been mirrored by the outer world somewhere. Mm -hmm. Great thought leaders, Martin Luther King Jr., who continues to have a powerful effect for forever. Mm -hmm. The reverberations of it wasn't his speeches alone. It was what he was reflecting through those words, that everyone was equally, profoundly, deeply touched in one way or another. Mm -hmm. Um, I wonder if there are any thought leaders who
1: influence you or have influenced you in your life. Yes. I have so many. Um, Most recently I've been really reading a lot of James Baldwin. Mm. And, ugh. He just slays me because it's like that who versus what. It's like anybody could have said those words, but it was what came through him saying those words. Mm-hmm. I think that made them so special. And I mean, his entire upbringing in the church and just all the things that he went through and he experienced and his collection of life experiences combined with the nature of his soul to be able to come out and speak on these topics in that time. It's just incredible. I mean, the book that I'm reading now, it feels like somebody wrote it right now for what's happening right now. And it was written, you know, like 40, 50 years ago. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: I guess the truest uh, proof of a thought leader is the trails it leaves. You know, I think of them as little breadcrumbs for, you know, the following generations to keep following, Mm -hmm. to keep picking it up, to be, to continuously lift up rather than to succumb to what gravity pulls us down into, even especially in thought concepts. Gosh, there's so many thought leaders I've been not just inspired by, but it truly changed my life when I felt where they were coming from. And I think you bring up such an important point, uh, what people have endured. When people have suffered a great deal themselves, and they are the ones who lift us up, it does something quite extraordinary because no matter who you are and what you are suffering through, You know that you're not supposed to stay down there in the dirt. You know you're supposed to dust yourself off and find a way up. Um, I have, as you know, I've shared with you an exceptional admiration for George Washington Carver and his life. I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) I I cannot help myself. (laughs) Because to me, there is no one who could ever say they're meant to stay down if they read about his life. Mm. No one could ever believe they're worthless if they read the story of his life. And if they see to the greatness that he achieved from him going deep within himself, you know, his reflections were from 3 a.m., walking through the forest alone. That's where most of his inventions came from. Mm. And the one thing he said that works on me every day When you come to something that's not just a roadblock, but a roadblock in your life or for your heart, if you love something hard enough, it will yield up all its secrets to you. Mm. I feel like it's the simple truth, and then we try all these sophisticated tools and things that don't work for us very long, it's because we have to go back. Mm. We have to go back to love.
1: I love that so much. I know. Me too. That makes me think of something um, that inspired me that James Baldwin said, which I shared with you when he was talking about death and how life here is really hard. And Mm. he said that one must earn their death Mm. and that one must live their life as nobly as possible in order to earn their death. And I love that idea because... When he talks about it he's like it's the only thing that's guaranteed it's the the passage that we all take in and out of this world and that we must live our lives in a way that our death is really earned and it gives me a whole new understanding of life thinking about death that way
0: mm. And even the individual reality of that, like, you can't say you did it because of others. You don't do it because someone taught you or mentored you or guided you. You did it because it's there for you to live and to do, you know, that beautiful spiritual writing, Be not thou grieved if thou performest it alone. Mm. It's like, don't worry if the rest of the world isn't doing it. You rise up. Mm-hmm. Oh. It's very inspiring. Thought leaders. Thought leaders. (laughs) um, Do you think being a thought leader, it seems to me for you that people placed you in that. Uh, You didn't seek it or go for it or manufacture it, but it's people who put you there. Do you think that's an aspect of
1: what you are? Or do you think this is a gift given unbeknownst to you? I'm not sure. I don't think of myself as one. Hmm. I think of you as one.
0: Oh, gosh. I definitely don't think of myself as
1: one. Yeah, but you are one. Smishi, there are things, there are ways, there's concepts and words and thoughts that you have brought to the forefront before I had heard them any time before. I mean, just the quote that I used from yours on my shoe of, if you knew what you had was rare, you would never waste it. I mean, think about that. It's a really powerful thought, or even the term I see you, or love is the only nutrient in the world that can be expressed. I mean, I think we don't think of ourselves as thought leaders because. For you, it's just probably an observation. Maybe that's Mm -hmm. how you would consider Mm -hmm. it. Exactly. But what you observe and then are able to articulate, I think, is what a thought leader is. That's the entire definition. I mean, what I just shared from James Baldwin was an observation he had. Mm. And based on his experience and his life, he was able to share that observation in such a profound way. But the way that you observe things is unique. And the love you have for words and the respect you have for words is also really unique. It's it's just such a unique combination of so many different things. So, I mean, surely, you know, like anytime I have a session with you, anytime any of my friends have a session with you, we're just like, regularly writing every single word down in the way that you share it because of the nature of how powerful they are. I guess that's the
0: mystery of um, the state we're in when we meet one another in any given situation. And also the perception, the state of perception we're in. Because to me, life is about there's just reality and then there are perceptions of reality. Yes. And there isn't anything else. And I think I always quest for trying to be clear mm-hmm. and to express myself from that clarity so that it's the best I have to offer. But I don't think what I offer is anything special or in, in that leadership way. You know, it reminds me of, I had this experience long ago. Uh, My eyes are big, big for my face. And uh, growing up, of course, my sisters drew that to my attention in a not-so-friendly way. Um, But um, I noticed that a person could come up to me and say, Oh, my gosh, you have the biggest eyes I've ever seen. And then another person came up and said, those are the loveliest eyes I've ever seen. At that moment, it hit me as a child. Oh, there is no reality. It's just one person perceives it like this. The other perceives it in the opposite. There is no such thing as anything. It's only what we perceive it is, Mm. except for reality. The reality is it doesn't matter how i came this is just my package but what it reminds people of that is where i will be led so i can express myself you know mm-hmm. to the best to the benefit of purpose so i love that kind of concept but when i think about you i think about the qualities you possess as the Parts of you that are your design, that are truly unique to you. But then I think about your motivation, Smushi. And I know your motivation is about creating the most for humanity while you're here. Mm. That makes you a gift. Mm. That makes you a gift. Because the chances exponentially grow of you actually being just who you are, Mm -hmm. not trying to do more than be you authentically, will have that beautiful effect on so many,
1: just like my first grade teacher. (laughs) Swish, you're going to make me cry. I know I'm on my period, but... (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's so interesting because what you said, like everything in me was like, it's true, it's true, it's really true. Um... And I think what makes it so scary here or hard is like, I wonder if I'll ever be able to really do that. You know, it's like you just hope that you're able to fulfill as, I mean, even when you said it, it sounded kind of silly or cheesy mm. to me, but um, but at the same time, it's the thing that I treasure most. And I really hope I'm able to do. And I think On some level, everybody feels that. It's like their own secret thing, you know? We all must be about that now. Mm -hmm. That The
0: truth is we need to rise up to that motivation. We would see a staggering transformation, not just in ourselves, not just in our social circles and families, but the world around us. I don't think we can ever say absolutely that a person will achieve what they set out to achieve in their life. I don't think James Baldwin did. Mm. I I think if you had asked him back in his days in France what he wanted to achieve through his writing and the change of consciousness of the world, I don't think that the world allowed him to do that because of the amount of prejudice and distortions that blocked them seeing his reality. Mm. But in hindsight, look how many more have come to read his works and be uplifted now. And that's the mystery of life. And so you and I may never see fruition in the way we had hoped to when we set out on the journey of life, but just like you were quoting James Baldwin, we hope that by the time we get to death, we will have earned it, Mm. you know? (laughs) Mm. Mmm, thank you for such a wonderful conversation journey together today i feel like again we've dipped into that place we love to go to with each other Mm -hmm. and hopefully the people who are viewing or listening feel they're right here with us and we're together in this conversation and the pursuit of why we're here.
1: Thank you, Smishy. I guess
0: till next
1: time mm-hmm. for our next butterfly forecast. I can't wait. Bye, Smishy. <laughs> Bye. And that's our show. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find the butterfly forecast every Tuesday with a new episode available wherever you do your podcasting Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher. Hope to see you then. We'll see you next time.